Good afternoon, everybody. This is another episode of the Hidden Truths Podcast. This is your man, Ernest, a.k.a. Mr. No Excuses. Got a couple guests in the buildings with us today, so I'll let y'all do a quick intro. Uh, I'm Darnita Samuels, licensed marriage and family therapist here in Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm Bomani McLaughlin, the CEO of Supreme Kings, a mentoring program, and my vision statement is empowering the youth through the discipline of the lost arts yoga, meditation, and holistic health and fitness. All right, no doubt, no doubt. So we can go ahead and jump straight into this conversation because this is one that can, oh, we can have this conversation <laughs> for years. For years. <laughs> What's holding us back? And when I say us, I'm specifically talking about the black community. What is holding us back from achieving that level of uh, success, that level of togetherness? Um, that level of economic independence that we used to have, that that sovereignty that we used to have, um, you know, what's holding us back from even more simple things? What's holding us back from getting a job? What's holding us back from uh, becoming an entrepreneur? Um, you know, when you look at other cultures, yeah. uh, they've been able to to flourish, and there's obvious reasons that we'll talk about, you know, as we get deeper into it. But there's obvious reasons that have held us back, but uh, Outside of that, what what else do we feel like is keeping us from achieving those those levels of success that initially you know we we used to have that? So I want to get some some good insight on there. First of all, I want to I want to start off with a, even a, a better question: Do we even feel like we're headed in the same direction as a as a community? Do we even have a community? Now, let's start it off with that, because mm. in order to for us to collectively achieve a goal, that goal has to be the same for everybody. Right. I know for me, it doesn't definitely doesn't, it's not the same goal within all facets of the black community. So let's speak on that to start it off. Oh my goodness! So heavy. Yeah, I know. that question is like so loaded, but <laughs> no, we are not <laughs> headed in the same direction. I mean, because. We have so many different people. I think we have a desire for similarity, you know, similar things. But if we're, if we are, I feel like if I'm really honest and saying, are we headed there in the same direction? No, we're not. Um, we're all taking different paths. But it's almost like if you want to go back to Africa, you got so many different tribes. This tribe was this, this tribe was that, this tribe did that, this tribe did that. I feel like it's the same thing. So we have Bomani over here who is mentoring and talking to children about the lost arts and, you know, really trying to get them to seek internally to get their answers. But then you also have other people who are be like, uh-uh, you go out there, you get everything. You know what I'm saying? We have so many catchphrases now, you know, um, that kind of push us in different things. And so we also have to boil down, what is my motivation? What is my motivating factor for this and whatever this is um so no I just I don't it's it's a shame but again I mean if we think about other cultures too I don't think any culture is all on the same page if no that makes sense. not necessarily on the same page but or, when you look at them as a collective mm -hmm. even though they might not be on the same page they're still able within those different facets able to find some level of success and economic prosperity yeah. We, on the other hand, um, and I, when I say we, I'm using that very mm -hmm. generally speaking mm -hmm. because it's not all. Correct. But in a general sense, you know, there's so many different facets and so many different things that we 
simple things that we can't even agree on. We can't even yes. agree on what we want to be called. You know, oh am, I, yeah. am I an African? Am I African American? Am I am I black? Am I a Negro? Mm-hmm. Um, colored. Yeah, am I colored? You know, we can't even agree on that. Mm-hmm. Which, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what you call. If you ain't got no money to back what you say you're going to be called, when you go out and fill out an application, mm-hmm. you're going to be called whatever they tell you you're going to yeah. be called because you don't have the power to change it. But then I also want to say you don't have an identity either. If you don't really, you know, if you don't know yourself, then what is it? Mm. So. Yeah, a lot of us don't know who we are because we don't know our own history. Right. Uh, and that's one of the big things that's uh, holding us back. Before I get too deep into that, Bo, I'll let you go mm-hmm. ahead and speak on it. Wow, man. Uh, when I think about us as a people, you know, I often think back to the whole 60s time period. Mm-hmm. You know, when we was going through civil rights. Mm-hmm. You know, we stood shoulder to shoulder because we was all fighting for a common cause. Mm-hmm. So that brought us closer together as a people, you know. Um, and I think today, you know, people have broken off. You got so many people who are successful. You know, um, you know, some people will tell you, man, I don't know anything about the struggle. You know right. what I mean? I, You know, I've never experienced racism, you know, and you're like, wow, you know. Um, but again, just reflecting back on that time period, I think, because we were all fighting for a common cause that brought us together, that brought the unity, that brought the, the brother and sisterhood. And we don't have that now. Um, I often ask some of the older cats, like, what can we do to get that same element, that same feel back? I'm always searching for answers. Um, but I think what we really have to do if we are going to progress as a people, we got to have some discussions. We got to change some of the stereotypes that we are feeding into. Mm -hmm. You know, for instance, my daughter is nine years old. And the school she goes to, I didn't want her to go to that school. Okay. Hear what I'm saying. She's nine years old. The fact that I don't want my daughter to go to a certain elementary school Mm -hmm. because of the reputation that it has. So when you pose that question, you have to say, well, if the elementary school is bad, if the kids are cutting up, what does that say about us as parents? Right. Yeah, that's. Ooh, that's yeah, we'll, we'll we'll start with that piece of it because there's so many <laughs> there's so many elements into mm-hmm. what's holding us back. I mean, we can really chop this up into, and I probably might need to, like, <laughs> you know, five or six, <laughs> ten different segments. Yeah. Right. Right. So yeah. we'll start with the the parenting side of it uh, nowadays, and you know, really. Even back in the 60s, we had a lot of uh, single-parent households. I mean, even back then, <clears throat> especially, um, you know, during uh, postbellum slavery oh, yeah. and uh, during the Civil Rights Movement, um, homes, mothers couldn't even get welfare assistance if they had, right. had a man in the household. Right. 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 So even with having that man there, it wasn't enough economically to sustain a household. So in order for the family to thrive economically, the the, the husband had to leave right. just for the sake of his family having enough money to survive mm-hmm. off of. And so even taking that back a step further, mm-hmm. during slavery, mm-hmm. we had so many uh, families that were ripped apart. Yes. You know, men seeing their... Their, their daughters, seeing their wives, their mothers, mm-hmm. men themselves being raped by the master mm-hmm. on the plantation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that psychologically does something to you. 
mm-hmm. with no treatment. We've had no treatment whatsoever for that. And those issues, post-traumatic slave disorder. Yes. Uh, that's, uh, I can't remember her name, Joyce DeGruy. I'm messing that name up. Anyway, it's a book called Post-Traumatic Slave Syndrome. Yes. Um, and it talks about the psychological effects that slavery has had on us. Um, and that has traced down from generation to generation. Um, the crack epidemic, you know, I know, Bomani, me and you've talked about that a lot. That's one of the things that really tore a lot of homes and a lot of families apart. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you have all these uh, different psychological issues, different physical issues um, that have contributed to the demise of the, the black family. Can Is it an excuse? Wars? No. Yeah. wars, yeah. Because I mean, of the draft? Yeah. yeah, yeah, you have that. You have husbands going to war. You have, you have wives going to war. You have families yeah. going to war. You have sons and daughters going to war. Mm-hmm. And when they come back, there, there's no... Um, treatment for that. There's, there's no grand morale waiting on you. A lot of the vets don't even get any sort of financial uh, assistance mm-hmm. from serving. Yeah. Yeah. So you went over there, you know, you, you shed blood for, you know, you, what you thought was your country. I mean, it is ours, but they don't treat it like it's ours. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you come back to, to nothing. Yeah. So you have all these, so many different elements that have contributed generationally to the demise of the black family. Is that an excuse? No, it's not. It's not an excuse, but it's definitely a contributing factor to the type of behaviors that we see. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, in terms of bringing a full circle to the type of parenting styles that we see, <clears throat> you have so many uh, uh, spared households where, mm-hmm. you know, you have a child being raised by more than likely what I see, single single mother. Yeah. Or grandmama. Yeah, or grandmama. Or grandmama. So especially in terms of our young black boys. You you have to have a man in the household to really uh, teach that boy how to be a man. You know, shouts out to all our single mothers out there because can a woman uh, raise a man or raise a boy? Yes, she can, but she can't teach that boy how to be a man, just like a man can't teach a girl how to be a woman. Right, Right. So you see these types of issues where there's a lack of discipline in the household because you don't have that authority figure there anymore. You have what I call the baby boy syndrome to where the mother, because she doesn't have a man in her life, the only man that she does have in her life is her son. So that son becomes the man of the house. And if I'm the man of the house at 10, 11, 12 years old, I no longer look at you as an authority figure. I look at you as my equal. And if I'm looking at you as my equal, I can't have the same type of respect for you if you were in the mother position. So you have all these dynamics, not to mention the uh, the environments that a lot of our, our boys and girls grow up in. Mm-hmm. is It's like a jungle sometimes when you look at how mm-hmm. they're being raised. Yeah. Um, you have kids raising kids. Mm-hmm. When I was in school, it was nothing to see 14, 15, 16-year-old girl have kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and same thing, I mean, you saw the same thing back in the 50s and 60s too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you, you see that and then you see the repercussions of a generation to generation and it becomes cyclical yeah because there's nobody in the house really disciplining the child the child you talk about homework for what yeah I'm going to the league yeah because that's what we're teaching our kids to do especially our young boys we're pushing them either some form of entertainment Mm -hmm. primarily sports 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 Mm -hmm. and entertainment yeah sports Mm -hmm. and entertainment so 
bringing it full circle to the school situation, um, you know, that in itself is one of the things that's holding us back is, you know, we got a lot of ancient parents out there. Mm-hmm. Got a lot of ancient parents. Mm-hmm. And that's reasons for that too. You have to peel back the layers from generation yes. to generation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why why is this parent struggling to raise their kid? Why why aren't they raising the kid the way they are supposed to? Well, how was the parent raised? You start peeling that layer back and back and back and back and you start to understand some of the root causes. Yep. So where does that stop? How do you stop that? Yeah. Is the question to be asked. Oh, and one other factor, we forgot prison. Oh, yeah, you got you prison. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's, you know, you are, everything you're saying is so relevant um, because, you know, especially with PTSS, it's like that post-traumatic slavery syndrome is so thick and so real and it's so layered, right? Mm-hmm. But then also um, because of the majority of times, so this is what I've seen in my experience, just talking to friends and people um, in general, and I'll say people of color. Um, we should, we carry a lot of shame about slavery, mm-hmm. but then also we carry this, it, it's almost like this anger rage when we start understanding our history and reading, you know, where we potentially came from, the different, the many and different peoples, cultures, tribes, ethnicities, and everything else of Africa itself. Instead of saying, okay, well, this person, if we think about Hannibal, he's one of the top generals in the world who was at, who ever lived. It's almost like we don't take the lessons of Hannibal crossing the Alps, conquering Rome. We take it as if, you know, we, we internalize this anger and rage sometimes when people just come out about it. And this, this may sound funny. I don't carry a shame about slavery anymore, of our history, our past here in the United States, because I look at it as whether a person stayed on the plantation or a person chose to run. Both of those decisions took a strength of character on a day-to-day basis, minute by minute, hour by hour, second by second. Um, and so having being forced to make both decisions is life-altering, life-changing, and can literally be the meaning of life and death, depending on. Right. And it was all dependent on somebody else's whim. Right. And so I choose to honor them in the things that I do. So I hold myself... Hey, little train. Gotta love the train. Right, you know what I'm saying? Right on on time. Right on time. I was missing it for a while. I was wondering. (laughs) I was like, do they take Saturday off? But I owe them a debt of gratitude. And that's why I hold myself to a different standard. Like, I'm not going to go out and embarrass these people. You know, I got, I, 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 I take it as a badge to push forward because they suffered infinitely more than I ever did and could think about. And instead of internalizing the shame, I use it as an honor. Like, do you understand where I come from? Do you right. truly understand where yeah. I come from? Right? And see, the thing is, a lot of us um, don't understand where we came from. And what uh, history teaches us is that we just came from slaves and that's it. What and now the books are trying yeah. to say that, you know, we were, um, what do they call it? Migrant work, no, migrant workers. Oh, that's a cold word for slave. <laughs> right, right you see but they're, not, they're putting it in, you know, history books now as migrant workers. And it's like, do you understand that a migrant worker got a choice? Right, <laughs> we right, did. Right, right, okay. Right. But see, they, so, yeah. when they tell the history, they start from slavery. slavery. Yes. That was only a subset of, right. of us. Mm-hmm. They don't talk about, and, and of course they're not going to talk about, right. well, we were the ones, kings, mm-hmm. queens, we were the ones who were uh, trading with Europe. We were in Europe during trade. We were trading all over the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, Massimosa, one of the most yes. richest. He was the richest. Yeah, yeah, yeah one of the, the richest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. African, well, people that 
ever lived. Yeah. Yeah. They don't talk about that. We come from a lineage of power, kings, queens. You know, we were the ones who were teaching uh, Europeans about sanitation and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, more humane ways of uh of living because hygiene. yeah hygiene because uh, they were you know a, a barbaric people mm-hmm. uh, in the times that they live in I mean even history tells you that when you look at you know history Vikings and things like that that was barbarism yes um, so yeah we were really the ones who were teaching them how to really be more humane yes. so that's what the books don't teach us and obviously they're not because when you win the wars you tell the history right. so we have to take it upon ourselves to teach the history that we know to be true. And that is a, a shortcoming that I see within the black community because we ourselves don't know. We can't teach somebody else what we don't know. So that's definitely one of the things holding us back it is really being in tune with who you are. Because when you, one of the reasons that <clears throat> we, we um, you know, become so apathetic in, in learning, and I'm talking about in grade school, mm-hmm. learning history is because we don't see ourselves in it. Yeah. You know, yeah. we don't see, they don't teach yeah. the levels of success that we come from and that we can achieve. So when you don't see it and when you don't hear it and when you come home and you don't hear it and you hear, uh, well, you ain't going to be nothing when you grow up or you just like your daddy, you just like your mama, when you hear that, then that becomes you, that consumes you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we have to start changing the message that we're driving into our communities. Mm-hmm. I agree 100%. And like you said, sister, um, when I look back on our history, um, it gives me strength. When people call me and tell me they're going through it, I say, stick your chest out. You built for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like you know? I like that. And, exactly. and, and um, you know, when you start talking about generational things, yeah, it really becomes obvious. Like you said, Brother Ernest, you know, um, what the work do we do with these kids? And you go inside the home. And, but another thing that I had to realize, and um, Priest Y. Tim told me this, may he rest in peace, you know, they can't teach what they don't know. They exactly. never learn themselves. Right. You know, so that's why I feel like it's such an honor to be able to teach these kids, you know, um, because a lot of the things that we're trying to instill in them, they're not getting in the home. Mm-hmm. But it has to be a balance. It has to mm-hmm. be like, it's almost like the school system, like we was talking about with the homework. You know, you you send your child to school, but it needs to be reinforced at Absolutely. the home. So that's where we kind of have a struggle when it comes to the mentoring. You know, for instance, I'll give you something very simple. You know, Brother Ernest, you know, he teaches the health and fitness. Okay, so along with that, we also talk about holistic health. Yes. You know, uh, the mind, body, and spirit integration. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, how to eat healthy, you know, how to exercise and, and put that into a routine. Well, you know, we, we, we teaching this in the program, but we can't control what's in the refrigerator at home. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know, unless the parent is on board. Mm-hmm. That's a whole nother conversation in itself, right. trying yeah. to get parents engaged. Mm-hmm. But um, just getting back to the topic of discussion, I feel like in order for us to progress, we got to have these discussions. You know, and we have to learn to put our ego aside, mm-hmm. you know, because, again, if the school system is bad, we can't just keep blaming the teachers. Mm-hmm. Let's look at ourselves at how we are parenting. You know, why is it that, i give you another example, why is it that the poorest kids have the most expensive shoes on? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. Priorities. Priorities. Mm-hmm. What, are we, what are we teaching our kids? And mm-hmm. I'm not knocking anybody, you know, but if 
when you go into the low-income neighborhoods, that's where you see the Jordans and the LeBrons and the iPhones and so forth. So, again, what are we teaching our kids? You know, um, and I think that a lot of other cultures, uh, because they may teach economics at an early age, yes, you know, it becomes a part of their their, their way of life. They learn it early, so they start applying it and putting it into practice. You know, I tell people all the time, you know, because everybody, the kids have this vision of, you know, like most of us did, they want to be wealthy and successful. Right. But if you can't manage a little bit of money, how you going to manage a lot of money? Right. The thing that I've noticed, <laughs> we, specifically in the black community, uh, we learn about finances when we go in debt. Yeah. Not yeah. even then. I mean, because we don't even know how to get out. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Right, <laughs> we, right, right. Because we get broke. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But then a lot of times people are like, well, what am I supposed to do? And then we start calling, like, can I borrow $50? Yeah. Can I? yeah. And But then we go back and do the same thing. So did yeah. we even learn? Right, right. Yeah. But uh, that's what I mean. Like, we, we learn about finances by making poor financial decisions. We're not getting those lessons taught at an early age. And right. one of the things is, I mean, it goes back to pulling those layers. Yeah. You have to look at, okay, well, mom and daddy. Yeah. Why ain't they teaching it? Well, let's look at mom and daddy. Well, both of them are working minimum wage jobs. Mm-hmm. It's enough for them just working paycheck to paycheck to keep the lights on and keep food in the fridge. That's right. So they don't necessarily have time to teach economics when they don't necessarily have a full understanding of it themselves right. other than, you know, go to work, get a job, save money. Right. And, you know, pay bills. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pay bills, and that's <laughs> it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of us, you know, we, we don't even get that right. Yeah. Right. So when you look at other communities, and this isn't even necessarily racially specific, is uh, it's more dealing with the level of that is a long train. Yeah, I think another one came through. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Yeah. All right. Well, when you look at the level of affluence, uh, I see that as a bigger difference because when I go up in areas like, you know, Lake Norman, Cornelius, and all that, you know, I see black kids up there too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the same age demographic that we're dealing with in our Supreme Kings program, elementary, middle school. When you see that same age in those types of neighborhoods mm-hmm. at an early age, they're learning how to program. They're learning about engineering. They're learning yeah. about business. Mm-hmm. So, yes, we can look at the school system as another factor in itself. Yeah. But where does the school system get, get its money from? Well, it gets its money from tax revenue. Well, yeah. is tax revenue going to certain communities and not others? Mm-hmm. When we look at things that are going on in the black communities, um, we see uh, abortion clinics. We see the liquor stores. We see the rim shops. We mm-hmm. see uh, we see hey, new uh, The pay loan things. Yeah, you know? we see the ca- yeah. cash the advance. Cash. Mm-hmm. You know, we see that. Mm-hmm. But when you look at other neighborhoods, you you don't see that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you can't even find a a bojangles for that matter. Yeah. You it's yeah. not the same. Yeah. So you really have to start looking at this thing. It really becomes more about. It, it really becomes political in a sense. That, right. That's one of the things that's, that's driving that. Yeah. And we have very little political influence. You know, we may get out and vote, but we don't have the economics backing that vote to really make a difference and hold politicians accountable. Yeah. So, you know, and that's a whole nother conversation in itself, just looking at the school system, or as I call it, the pipeline to prison system. Oh, my right? goodness, yes. Yeah. The pipeline to prison system. We're, when you look at schools nowadays... They look, a lot of them look and function like prisons. Mm. So when you are trying to teach a child in that type of environment, 
what do you how do you expect them to behave right. and not saying that justifies it because again you have to teach that in the home but okay if I have my son and I'm raising them the right way to be respectful mm-hmm. to do the things they're supposed to and they're surrounded by 29 other kids who are raised just the opposite mm-hmm. well how long do you think it's going to be before your kid starts to pick up those same habits exactly. so again it all comes back down to the household mm. um, now one of the things you know because I know we a lot of times look externally and we yeah. know a lot of the things that are holding us back you know yeah. you have the racism you have the white supremacy you have the politics you have the, the prison system you know which all of that is political in a sense but yeah. politics ain't up for war right. I think um Either Fred Hampton, Hugh P. Newton said it, you know, politics is war uh, without bloodshed. War is politics with bloodshed. Mm-hmm. So it's all the same. So we have to, one of the biggest things holding us back is us. Right. You know, apart from all the external factors that have existed for hundreds and hundreds of years. Yeah. You know, racism has been around for a very long time. Mm-hmm. So we have to still figure out how to navigate and cope with that we have to stop looking for others to come save the day. Yeah. Yeah. We have to stop looking for others yeah. to came, come save the day because it goes back to the topic we were talking about as far as, um, you know, what is God? Yeah. You know, we are sitting around waiting for uh, someone else to take the wheel for us. Mm-hmm. We have to take it upon ourselves to break these generational curses. Yeah. But even with that, a lot of people don't even realize they're in the world of craziness because it's so crazy it's become normal. Yeah, that's dysfunction. You was one of the first to put me up on that. Yeah. You know, if, if you're in a neighborhood and, you know, you got a couple of friends already and she got two or three kids mm-hmm. by different guys, I mean, it's... it's that's normal. Yeah, it that's is. Just, that's just that's how it, it is, is. Right. you know. So when you tell them something different, they're like, what you talking about? Right. Yeah. It's like you're but, speaking a different language. Right. Sure. But, Mamani, I want to go back to something you said because, you know, you were right when you said, you know, why is it the lowest income neighborhoods have the most expensive shoes or yeah. clothing, right? So they'll get some Yeezys real quick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you were like not trying to knock nobody, but sometimes we got to. Right. right. That's why I said we have to drop our ego when That's we start right. addressing the situation. Absolutely. Because yeah. I remember growing up, right? I, I And I literally tell people, I feel like if when I die and go to heaven, I want heaven to be the city of Detroit in the 70s. That's the street I grew up on, okay? And when I I say that because my village was tight. Yeah. When I tell you I had neighbors who not only nurtured me, but they scolded me, but they spoke life into me too, right? right? right, right. Everybody used to be like, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to do? But I also saw everybody had a job. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, the husbands went to work. The husbands were there. The husbands went to work. They went to four across the GM or the city. Right. And then the wives sometimes stay home if they had, you know, if they had a job and they was going to work too. But the husbands opened the doors. They would sometimes drive their wives to work, you know, different things like that. That's what I grew up seeing. Right. Right. There was one single mother on my block. um, But when I tell you she was raising the heck out of them kids. Yeah. She raised those kids, right? So that was that was the offset, not the norm. Right. So now it's just like when you, you know, like, don't tell me about my child. It's like, I'm doing this so your child doesn't hit the prison pipeline. Your child doesn't, unfortunately, go to the morgue. Right. You know, where you have to identify your child. You know, right. that's one of the, from what I see and what I've, I've known for, with other mothers who've had to do that, that is the pain, most painful thing you ever oh, have to go through in your life. And it's like, now, if we could go forward and then go back to that time, now you see why I'm trying to address your, your, uh, your child. Right. Um, that little problem becomes a big problem. Huge. 
huge. We're reactive. And that's the thing. We're too reactive. But then also, we're also talking about our dollars. So let's really call it out. I'm a small black business owner, okay? And I'm a therapist. So many people want to know, oh, well, how much do you charge? And these people look like me, right? Right. Now, if I was Becky, Becky give a price, they don't ask no discount, mm-hmm. they don't have no sliding scale, they don't come do on, nothing. You a sister, you supposed to hook me up, sister. Right, come you get what I'm saying? Look out, look out, look right? Out. Right. Don't, hey, listen, and ignore this $600 iPhone I got while I'm talking to you. That you pay cash for. But at the same time, it's like, but when you come to me, uh-huh. then you want me to almost like barter with you. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, no, because I'm not in the business of, you know, there are a lot of people who charge a lot more than me. Right. A lot more than Right. Me, right. But I feel like I'm a reasonable rate so people can get the help that they need if they utilize my services. Right. I get offended when I get that call from somebody who looks like me. And I'm like, you know, and I know there's economic issues. Don't get me wrong. And I do offer a sliding scale. But what I'm not going to do is lower my talent and skill because you don't want to pay me because I look like you. Because the time is worth something. Right. It is worth it. You get what I'm saying? And time is money i'm sorry time is money right and, and I so was, uh-huh. i didn't want to jump well no, i had no. to jump in there yeah but um i remember the first time i came to you or first yes. time i talked to you on the phone because mm-hmm. uh, that's one of the reasons i went to you because i wanted somebody who you know looked like me because we have to support our own in order mm-hmm. to build our communities um so yeah i remember you telling me about mm-hmm. you know the sliding scale mm-hmm. meaning you know you adjust your your mm-hmm. uh your your rate Yep. To within reason, yes. based on somebody's affordability. And mm-hmm. I was like, no, I can afford to pay you. So I don't and need to start a scale. I want to put my dollars into the black community. And that's what he told me. Yeah. You know, so there are times where I've had even even people who have insurance, they have insurance and they still want to talk about bartering for the copay. Yeah. And I'm like, listen, I'm not your therapist then. Yeah. I'm not, because now I'm feeling insulted and I'm mm-hmm. not going to really work with you because. I don't want to have, I, you know, I talk to people about how I'm feeling about a situation. If I was uncomfortable in a session or if I'm, like, mad in a session, I tell people about that. And I don't yeah. want to have that being held against that person. So, no, I need to, you know, free myself of not even carrying that forward. I release you into wherever you need to go. And that's a constant debate that we have because it's like our dollars don't even hit the community. The way it hits is it, we get a direct deposit from our um, employer into the bank and then it goes to then we every other community right else. do you right. get what I'm saying and so it's like you know and that's within our control like we can't right. keep pointing the finger at no, we everything else yeah all that is happening but what are we doing and that's the thing and I just you know it, it just makes me so mad because when I'm hearing other black businesses and especially now because I do try to support all black businesses I'm sorry because I feel like we need to start a new wave of a revolution of circulating our dollars and not having dominant culture take us for granted and our money right. because we hear so many different things like what Michael Kors and you know other designers oh we don't make it for black people but guess who we are you know, even when we're on Instagram, it's like we shout out Michael Kors purse, Michael Kors shoes, Louboutin. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm like, you know, even with our, our liquor and our alcohol, yeah. they don't 
make anything well okay they made stuff for us but it was killing us you know what i'm saying the 40s god bless america you know what i'm saying they made the 40s for us and guess right. what we was drinking those things like Slits bottled water you right. see what i'm saying Old bang for the buck right uh-huh. billy d williams coming yeah. up with it you know what i'm saying uh-huh. so but we don't really support the other stuff so if you are a designer per se then i'm like you you cost too much but here i am about to go buy a gucci bag well i i think it's just the programming is so strong. Yes, it is. You know, like, again, we talk about, you know, why the poorest kids had the most expensive shoes. Mommy, I want the Jordans. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want them the regular Nikes. Everybody else is wearing them. You know, so that gives me a sense of belonging. I'm with yeah. the in crowd. You know, uh, I can brag and say I got a pair of $200 shoes on my feet. But, again, if that same kid needs some counseling, are they going to pay $200 for some counseling? No. So that goes back to priority. Mm-hmm. Because if it's important to you, you're going to invest in it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I again, I just think that's just that just goes back to the program and how strong it is. You know, social media and TV. And we deal with that all the time. You know, um, even with, you know, um, dealing with the youth, the yeah. boys, you can uh-huh. just see it. It's mm-hmm. so obvious, you know. Um, but again, with that being said, you have to be conscious of it. Right. Yes. Because they do it so subtle. We really self-check. Like, I say this all the time. Like, I feel like there should be no social media platform that allows you to show gang-related violence on there or anything that's affiliated with drug culture. But they do it on purpose because the youth are intrigued by it. You know, then they want to be a part of it. And I said this in an interview a couple of weeks ago. But they only show one side of it. Right. You know, you don't get to see the gang you don't see the who, funeral. Right. You don't see the funeral. You don't you don't you don't see the guy who fighting for his life cause right. you know he got two dope charges and he might be facing a, a life sentence. You know what I'm saying? You see the glorification. Yes. You see the glorification. Yes. You know. So again it's 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 all by design. Mm-hmm. We have to become more conscious. And I have to stress the fact too that ego because we mm-hmm. exploit the ego. You look at T V oh reality TV nobody wants to talk things out it's, it's always zero to 60 because they get the most ratings yeah so now the kids want to act that out you know right. my, my again I, I not trying to beat this school up I'm not even going to drop a name but my daughter called my lady and she don't call me if I'm at work unless it's something serious but she called me the other day and she was like they was fighting so hard on her bus that is elementary school elementary school oh they was fighting so hard that the bus driver had to pull over. Now, just think about that. Now, That's so much hurt. Now, we know, and I'm just talking about the fact, looking at it from a bus, a bus driver's perspective, mm-hmm. yeah. we know how crazy Charlotte traffic is just mm-hmm. riding in the car by yourself. Right, right, right. right. You driving a bus yeah. in Charlotte traffic yeah. with a bunch of yelling, screaming, fighting kids. Yeah. They lucky they was able to pull the bus over. Yeah. Right. And remain. Yeah. yeah, but you think, Okay, you're talking about elementary, elementary school. We're not even talking about high school. What are you fighting school? for? Yeah. What are you fighting for? Yeah. And see, back in the day, you know, they used to physically, they used to have to physically, uh, physically plant the drugs, the alcohol, the guns yeah. in yeah. the communities. Yeah. Now, now they're still doing it through the yeah. music and yeah. the entertainment. It's subliminal now. Yeah, yeah it's subliminal because yeah. they realize, well, hold on. Y'all look, like you said, you're going to self-check. If I can just pro-rib it in your subconscious anyway, you're going to go out and get it. You're going to want it. The more you mm-hmm. see it, the more it becomes normalized. Absolutely. Why, why do I hear uh, 
and I'm a fan of Future. But mm-hmm. why do I hear Molly Perkins said at uh, one o'clock in the afternoon when I got my kids in the car on the radio? That should be something that should be censored and played late at night. Dude, I ain't but even there's know. There's no filter. I ain't even know what Molly and Percocet was until I started hearing it <laughs> yeah. on music. Because yeah. yeah. if it wasn't for music, I wouldn't know about drug, half of the drugs drug that culture. are out here. Yeah. The drug yeah. culture. Yeah. And that's the thing. But here in Lies, we talk about that. But going back to... Oh, Armani, you made a, you made a statement. I'm going to have to think about it because I think I lost my train of thought on that one. But it was talking about... Um, I have to remember it. Um, but even you're talking about you know instantaneous and right now. Everybody want to own their own business, and they think it's so glamorous because all these people getting paid and getting these checks. They have no clue what it takes to build a business. You have no clue what it takes to build a business. We're looking at the end results. Yes, and nobody is out here really talking about, we always talk about hustle, hustle, hustle hard, you know. (laughs) (laughs) You can run in place on the trip. The sleepless (laughs) nights. The sleepless nights that you have. You know, the anxiety, the stress. You know, the, the worry, you know, and everything else. And, and those small wins when they happen, but the big falls sometimes when they happen too. Especially, you know. especially, and I got to add this, mm-hmm. when your business is catering to our own. Ooh. Because going back to what we were talking about as far as the uh, dollar, putting yes. dollars in the black community, um, we as customers, as black customers, when we see a black owner, mm-hmm. one, we either always want to hook up. Mm-hmm. Or two, we well that go and that goes into devaluing the service or the product by that business. But a lot of us won't associate with black businesses because they're black owned. We feel like we're getting a lower quality product, we're getting right, a lower right, quality right. of service. Yeah. But on the flip side of that same coin, we as the business owner do a disservice when we do run kind of a, a rough shot looking business. Yeah. You know, we feel like okay, people are going to support me just because I'm a black business owner. No, you still have to have twice, three times as much professionalism yeah. and quality yeah. to just compete just with like others. Education. Yeah. yeah, just like yeah. education. You can't be a C student. Yeah. You uh-uh. gotta be a, a, a AAA student. Exactly. Know? And that's the thing, but also I would tell you customer service is a lost art in certain instances. Yes, and I'm going to tell you, I've gone into places, and my thing is, if you don't even speak to me, don't I don't care who I'm you are. On that too. Mm-hmm. If you can't speak to me, yeah. you're not going to get my dollar. Yeah. I went to Italy earlier this year, and this man came in and took a man in front of me, <laughs> threw that thing right on that counter and walked yeah. out. Yeah. He acted like he didn't speak English, but my friend told him, you didn't order. Yeah. She out. Yeah. But at the same time, there's a local place here. And I'm t- when I tell you that su- that customer service model is amazing, yeah. it is amazing, and I go there just for the service. Right. I mean, I can go right. a million different places, right. and this is a black-owned place. What right. is it? Taylor Smoke. Yeah. Oh, that's uh. In the Tyler. epicenter. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, In I've the been epicenter. there before. Okay. Yeah, they're real I, dope. And, and and they have young men, mm-hmm. young women, yeah. and everything else. And I, there's this one guy who checked us in at the door the first time I was there, and I I sit there, and sometimes I just go in places just to observe to right. see, am I going to spend my money in here? In some way, shape, or form, I am. Right. So he, this one person came in, and they were really trying to get beside themselves. 
when I tell you this young man diffused that whole situation and kept a smile on his face and yeah. did not appear to be phased nor bothered yeah. by that. He went on, he was cleaning, he was greeting people like, yeah. are you having a good time? You know, is there anything I can do for you? How, how best can I make this a good experience? Right. The second time I, no, the third time I went there, he, the second time I wasn't, he wasn't there, but the third time I was back, I said, listen, I watched you a couple weeks ago and you were amazing. And he was like, you know, Thank you so much. That does, I, he was like, I really wasn't even having a good day today. Yeah. But that did something for me. I couldn't tell this young man wasn't having a good day because when I yeah. tell you he really gave it that extra, yeah. he gave it that extra. Yeah. He was amazing. That's beautiful. And that's, that's the piece that's missing um, in terms of the black community, the black business, is it has to be a two-way street. One, we have to mm-hmm. offer... Uh, great customer service, yes. great products. You know, give people a reason to want to spend them when they act like you want my dollar. Right, right. right and right. on the flip side, as the customer, we have to value that business mm-hmm. the same as we would in the other business. We have to value the Taylor Smoke just like we would value uh, the Charlotte Cigar Club, mm-hmm. you know, or in, any other business. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that, that's in terms of the black dollar, that's really one of the biggest things that is holding us back is because we don't put our money into the black community. You know, we talk about, or, you know, society will have you believe that, you know, black people don't, you know, are, are at the low end of the economic totem pole. Yes. Um, but it's not necessarily, you know, we may not make the same amount of money collectively, but we, we still generate a lot of money. Billions. We we invest or put a lot. I mean, if it wasn't for black dollars, the yeah. majority of these businesses wouldn't exist. Because when you look at the the Michael Kors, the the Jordans, the uh, the Apples, fashion or you know a lot Nova. of you know you know any kind of fashion business, mm-hmm. right. it's our dollars that are building those brands. So if we took those dollars and put them in the black community, everything else crumbles. Yes. Right. There's a book, and I've referenced this on a previous podcast called Powernomics. Mm-hmm. It's a book by Claude Anderson. And he talks about, he, he gives you basically the blueprint for building black power and black success. You know, he, he basically looks at it as a layered approach, and I can't remember how he had them organized, but it's, okay, you build your economic base, you build your education base, you build, you build your political base, you build your base on the war front. Mm-hmm. Um, you build all, you put all those layers in place, and when you have that, I mean, that's really how the Black Wall Street right. flourished yes. back in the day. And you have right. more than one. I mean, we pretty much, I mean, most people typically reference the one in Tulsa, Oklahoma, right, right. but you had one in Durham, yeah. you had it in Atlanta, you had a, a lot of your, um, a lot of your, your, your major cities mm-hmm. had what we consider it Black Wall Street, mm-hmm. but that's what they had. Everything was self-contained. Yep. They had the doctors, the lawyers, you know, all the above. Um, and that brings me to another point, too. Um, when we talk about <clears throat> not putting our dollars in other businesses. Let's say boycotting as an example. If we say we're going to boycott all white-owned grocery stores, use that for an example. Where are we going to go? Where are we going to go? Because <laughs> I don't know a black-owned grocery store. Either. So, you know, when we talk about putting our dollars in the black community, taking them out of other communities to dominate society, we have to have those services and products available. You can't thrive off of just incense and mix CDs. Right. right. You know, right. you have to have something that you can actually actually survive off of. I mean, hell, you tell somebody they ain't, they can't eat, 
how long is that boycott going to last? How long is that stand going to last? I mean, because honestly, that's already doing Real because talk. we have so many um, neighborhoods with food deserts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like they got to, the, the only, you know, five, ten mile out is dominant culture owned stores. Mm-hmm. So it's like we really don't invest, but also here in last two, we can't be afraid to, you know, to refer, like with me in the therapy community. Mm-hmm. There are certain things I won't touch. So if I get a person who's cutting, or if I get a person yeah. who's, you know, dealing with substance abuse, I have experience with substance abuse, but I am not an official, you know, uh, certified uh, substance abuse counselor or a licensed clinical addiction specialist, right? But if I know somebody, guess what I'm telling? I know this person, I know this person, I know this person, mm-hmm. and I can vouch for them. Right. There are some people, you know, they won't, and they'll try to keep it, you know, or they'll send it to some other place. You get what I'm saying? So we don't necessarily hype it up. And even when my clients who I, who I know own businesses, I ask them, like, you know, can I use them as a referral base? If somebody's looking for a personal trainer. Yeah. If yeah. somebody, I have another person who has their own body line. I know um, people who are accountants and who, accountants and who are attorneys. I've referred so many different people to my, you know, the people I know who are attorneys or different things like that. Right. And it's that network. And I'm not afraid to share because my thing is, if one is on, we all on. Well, see, so we so fight that, across. That, yeah. that, that, that's that village. Yeah. See, that's what that's what we we talking about. We got to get back to it takes a village. Mm-hmm. Because I do the same thing on my end because. With the program, we deal mostly with elementary to maybe middle school. Mm-hmm. So when I get the kids, if I get a call or somebody inquire about a teenager that they may have, mm-hmm. the first thing I do is refer them to another brother. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Reggie Singleton in the male's place because that's more what he deals with the, the teenage to early adulthood, mm-hmm. you know. And he's referenced people to me on his end as well. But again, it's that mindset of understanding that it takes a village. You know, I'm not intimidated by your business. Mm-hmm. You know, what's meant for you is meant for you. What's meant for me is meant for me. But let's work together for the common cause of uplifting our people, mm-hmm. you know. Too often, we fight over crumbs and miss the fact that we can have the whole damn bakery. Right. right. If we change our mindset. Right. Right, if we change, change our mindset. mindset. Because right. we think in terms of checkers and not chess. We think about, well, if I send a client to Darnated, well, that's money out of my pocket. Right. But let's think about the bigger picture. Let's think about the influence that, okay, I might have referenced that one client that, to Darnita, but because I did that, you know, Darnita might come across a client or, you know, some other opportunity mm-hmm. that may be even bigger and better. Or, you know, just the universe in itself returning that positive karma to me. That's right. That's um, right. But yeah, we, um, you know, we just think too small-minded. You know, we're not thinking about building a collective because we live in a society of I, I, I. It's all about me. It's all about instant gratification. So <clears throat> you're my competition. Mm-hmm. That's how we look at each other. We yeah. look at each other within our own community as competition. But at the same time, we're on somebody else's hamster wheel. Right. You know, yes. the, the true competition, that's, that, we're, we're playing their game. We're playing right, right into their hands. But we're too short-sighted to see the big play, you and know, to see it. the whole thing. Another, can I? I'm sorry, oh, and I remember what I was on. So when you were talking about the streaming piece, you know, like the likes and different things on mm-hmm. Facebook and what they, you know, film and everything. There are also a lot of people who are filming their suicides on and, Facebook, and, and, and they and they and they letting that post right, and it's posting. Yeah. I mean, because they go live with a suicide, yeah. but here I've live, never seen that. I, yeah, I don't want to, but 
hearing lies. That should be censored. The, it should be censored, but people are allowed to make comments like, I'm glad you killed yourself. Wow. See, that reminds me. Like Who I've seen that? A, I've seen a lot of movies like that where um, you know, it'll be a mass killer in the movie mm-hmm. and the way the person dies is by somebody, you know, the number of people that are streaming in to view yes. the person's death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think there was one movie I watched called Kill With Me. Uh, there was another one. Don't ask me why I watch these kind of movies. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I need another session. <laughs> <laughs> For those who are listening, I'm not thinking about killing anybody. <laughs> right. nor, nor himself. No, not at all. Not at all. I just, I just like to see, uh, you know, because these movies a lot of times it's art imitating life. Right. Mm-hmm. So it lets right. you see how crazy and deranged a lot of us as Americans are. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's, it's not the person who it, who looks visibly deranged, mm-hmm. but it's the one who speaks to you every morning. Yeah. The one who, you know, you might get coffee beside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's the same one who will make a comment like you just mentioned on social media. So... And that's a whole nother can of worms in itself. But, um, you know, just in terms of the social media and all that, that that's a very strong draw. Oh but at the same time, because it is such a powerful tool, it can be used for, for the positive. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. a lot of the, uh, you know, smaller smaller restaurants, smaller businesses that I find out about are through social media, somebody posting about it. Right. I mean, I got a whole list of them that I'm going to run through at the end of the post, just so I can, you know, yep. plug some some business because I've been to them and, I'm, and they're legit. I'm not just plugging any black business, right? Although you support all you of them. Got a testimony. Yeah, I got a testimony. Ones that I've actually been to who are legit. I might go by there and give me some after the podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, you better not get the laughter mac and cheese. Nah, you ain't got to worry about that. Mm-hmm. But I have had some uh, some seafood. What is it? Seafood salad before. Oh, uh, it's a friend spot called Seafood Connection. Mm-hmm. It's in a uh, university yeah. where right beside Chelsea. Not your thing. <laughs> hey, it speaking, was good when speech, I went you know what? You just made me think about something. I think I told you, told told you this uh, a while back, Ernest. But I went to um, a restaurant on WT Harris not too long ago, and uh, they had a sign up that said, "Don't need to talk about that." The sign said, do not come in here with your hoodies, which I've seen that. Mm-hmm. Don't come in here with your pants hanging down. Mm-hmm. And don't come in here smelling like marijuana. Thank you. But the fact that you have to the put fact, a sign up that to say that. to put the sign up. So, I mean, I just. It hurt, didn't it? I just like, wow, look at me. Because you know who they're talking to. Of course. Yes. But wait, wait, wait. Now, I just want y'all to understand. Because I was at the UPS store. <laughs> oh, I know yeah, it's yeah. it's not just us. Oh, I know it's not. So yeah. the thing is, we I think automatically we think of us. Yeah. No, no, because when I tell you, I was sending, I was seeing stars when, because I, I, I looked at the guy at UPS and then I looked. But, at, but but put it all together. Yes, the, the that's hoodie, not who they're talking yeah, about. Yeah, the hoodie and the pants hanging down. We know I it's not that. just us, right. but yes. we know yeah. when right. businesses put that up, who yeah. they're, who they're talking, talking about. about. The pants hanging down and the marijuana smell. I get you. I get you. I get you. But even <laughs> I got an alternate thought because this this living in the South now has been a difference for me. Difference for me, you know what I'm saying? Because right. at home we we all, it, well, I felt like we had a uh, delineation between the two cultures. Right. But right. here it's like even with certain names and yeah. stuff, I'm like, what? 
yeah. you know so I don't I, I get what you're saying but I don't right. know if I because I feel like that can address a litany of things right, but I right, hear what right, you're saying the base right. of it because again I think I would probably go for that too but then it's like boom it's like, like using the cold words yes. urban or yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know another covert yeah. words that they use you know because I used to you know, I remember when I first started sending in the rec center. Don't come in mm-hmm. here if your pants are like this. Okay. And I was like, wow, this thing got to the point now they got to start posting this. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean. And well, it's you know, just, that's posted at Epicenter. You, you know, that's supposed to, I mean, it's like when you go up those yeah, huge amount of yeah. stairs on the Which is you. funny because when the Epicenter, and just using this as an example, when the Epicenter first got to Charlotte, it was predominantly white. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You didn't see yeah. those type of signs. Yeah. Right, right, right. Now, or within the past couple of years, mm-hmm. because white people don't frequent the area as much, and you know, when white people stop frequenting it, then they open it up to, to the blacks yeah. because they know we're going to come and give them the dollars. Mm-hmm. So then that's when you start to see those types of signs. Yeah. So that's why we, we say what we're saying, yeah. but I completely yeah. agree. It's yeah. not yeah. just it's us, not, yeah. but that's what they're targeting. Yeah. So in terms of what's holding us back, a lot of it is just, you know, we're tripping over our own feet. Yeah. Uh, a lot of us don't even realize we're caught in the matrix. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. it's like yeah. being held back from what is what a lot of people would say. You know, they don't even realize that um, there's something bigger out there. There's more to life than just waking up, drinking, or just, uh, you know, quick you know, short bursts of self-gratification. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a lot of us are just very apathetic and complacent. Um, going back to what you mentioned earlier, Bo, when, <clears throat> you know, back in the 60s, during the civil rights era, we had something to fight for. Mm-hmm. You know, we had desegregation come along and we were allowed to integrate with the dominant society. And a lot of us got complacent with that because now, okay, I'm, I'm making more money. I'm not getting doll sick. Don't owe me. I'm, you know, we're not. Um, I'm in the house now. Yeah, I'm yeah. in the house now. I got my butter biscuit. I'm good. Yeah. Uh, a lot of us, even though we talk about how much we hate racism, a lot of us have gotten complacent with the way things are. I mean, it's the same it's similar to what we would see during slavery times. You know, even though people hated slavery, you always had those subsets who, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times were the ones who were allowed to be in the house or whatever, or, yeah. you know, just too fearful to challenge yeah. the system who were, mm-hmm. no, nah, I'm not getting off this plantation. Yeah. Uh-uh, I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm good. You stirring up trouble for all of us talking like that. Exactly. Yeah. And the same thing happened in the 60s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With so many different people, it was like, uh-uh, no, we need to wait. We yeah, we're not going to Just uh-uh. wait. And it's yeah. like, how much longer do you want somebody to wait? How much longer can people live being oppressed? Right. You know. Jesus, it, take the wheel. Right. <laughs> 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 but then also one thing that's holding us back is, you know, and I'm going to keep this in the mental health brain because, hey, I feel like that's why I call in purpose and passion. But this past week was Black Mental Health Week. Right. How many people knew that? You know what? Probably not many. Right. I didn't know that, but I did. Um, come across a sister matter of fact uh, Sister Lee who had her two boys in our program for a little bit mm-hmm. um, but she has a non-profit program and every month she has a, um, a meeting and it's open to the public but a lot of the people that come in are dealing with mental health issues yeah. so I sat in on two of them sister let me tell you something I ended up taking a notebook out taking notes yeah, ready. Because to hear this sister, and she's a beautiful sister, you know, very well spoken, mm-hmm. to hear her talk about her battles on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. You know, she said, I, one thing that I remember, she said, you know, 
I have my days sometimes where I just have to tell my daughter, you know, mommy's going through her thing right now. And I just go in my room, she says she shut the lights off and she's just locked in her room because the depression is so bad. Yes. And I, you start looking around the room and you like, wow, it really doesn't have a face. I mean, it these sure people look perfectly normal. But you don't know the inner demons that they're battling oh, on no, a no. daily basis. And you that's know? why it's so important to really check in because we accept the surface. Oh, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah. Uh-uh. Really? Yeah. No. How are you doing? Yeah. If I yeah. haven't heard from you, because I do this thing, if I haven't heard from you, um, you know, if I haven't seen you within a month and if I haven't heard from you like in maybe, you know, you know, at least three weeks on a call, I'm either calling or if, when I see you, I'm like, wait a minute, what's going on? Yeah. And especially if I know in the past. Um, that there have been some issues or there are ongoing issues. No, uh-uh, how you doing? Right. And don't don't tell me I'm good. Because right. good is just surface. And, and right. this is what I do with my clients. When they say good, tell me what's good. Describe right. it. Right. Describe right. it. Right. And then they like, because yeah, we, where you really at? Yeah. We have to get back to <clears throat> genuinely caring about yes. each other. We have to restore love back into our communities. Yes. That's one of the another one of the keys that's that's missing is the love in the community we don't have love because a lot of us don't know how to love ourselves right, we right. we don't even know what love truly is mm-hmm. i mean right. you ask somebody what love is uh, they'll give you you I know you ask 10 different people they'll mm-hmm. give you you know 20 different definitions of what love is mm-hmm. right. um one of the reasons we don't know how to love anymore because we weren't shown what that was coming up um you know it was you know, going back to the parenting thing, it was enough for them, for parents, a lot of parents, to just put food on the table and uh, keep the lights on, keep the roof over your head. And that's my way of showing you I love you. Right, right. But mm-hmm. that's uh, yeah. that, that's very physical. That's not love. That's more of a responsibility. Right. And that's what we tend to mix up is responsibility with, with love and, and compassion. That's what one of the biggest things we're missing. So mm-hmm. when you talk about asking somebody, well, how are you doing this morning? You know, a lot of times that's just so generic of a question that we're not even listening for the response. Yeah. We do that just because it's so common practice just to say that it's routine. Yeah. And the response, I'm doing cool. And then you carry on with the rest of the or conversation. the classic black one, I can't call it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Sure. I'm yeah. trying to get like you. I had your arm, I cut mine off. <laughs> Typical right. responses. You but again, saying? but again, you know, it, 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 you think about the programming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, from the music we listen to, that we listen to, to, to what we look at on social media, you think about the images that are projected into the community mm-hmm. yeah. and how we act it out. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why I tell my brother every time we part ways, I love you, mm-hmm. you know, because I sincerely love my brother, you mm-hmm. know, and I have love for my brothers and sisters, but you're right, we that's been stripped out of our community, you know, but we, we raise hell when the police kill one of us, right? But look about the killings that we do in our own neighborhoods every day that nobody's talking about. Or or, or how we how how we we uh we glorify it in the music. We yeah. jam to it and you know you know so again it's just that programming is just so strong. And you yeah. just see you see you see the effects of it. When you are conscious of what they're actually doing, you mm-hmm. can just see the effects of it just running rampant from city to city in the, in, in the communities. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's just um, one of the biggest obstacles that we have to overcome is trying to make people more conscious and aware of how they're using social programming mm-hmm. to get the desired effects, you know. Well, we have to really understand <clears throat> this ambiguous term, conscious, because that's one of those uh 
kind of catch-all phrase that's been thrown around so much lately over the past few years you know the conscious community yeah, the conscious yeah, conscious yeah. conscious you know conscious. what conscious i'm talking about right yeah. right right but i'm talking about <laughs> being, for those. A, being aware yes right of the, of the true reality of oh yeah i know exactly yet. what you mean yeah you know, so i'm not, I'm not, not I, I didn't mean to knock you i know <laughs> no, no, what, no, no, exactly no. what you mean because you and i've had this conversation yeah, exactly right right but when you're talking about um you know the the uh conscious community yeah the conscious yeah. community not to knock any specific community but just the way some of these terms get thrown around so loosely right. i mean to the yeah. point now to where you see it more and hear it more in music yeah. right it becomes more of a catchphrase to you know drive revenue right versus truly being conscious and taking action because it's one thing to be conscious conscious just means you're alive and aware right yeah. but what are you doing with that awareness right you know it's like you know woke you know that's another right. phrase too well right. shoot if i've been sleeping all night and now i'm i'm awake well if i don't get out of bed i ain't doing no good i'm just i'm just laying here woke that's right it's the same thing when we talk about being conscious and one of the things that i recognize when there is a a kind of an awakening or a uh uh, a large movement of, of black people, you know, when we talk about uh, using being conscious as an example, you know, then you started to see more celebrities claiming to be conscious. You started to see them put more uh, positive black imagery in their music, which is good to a sense, but I also look at the flip side of it. Well, what is the black community getting from this? Are you just using this as a tactic because that's the new wave of popularity now? Right. So right, you can't right. just, we can't be so quick to jump on the bandwagon and just welcome everybody in just because they do a couple yo-yo-yos or they, you know, throw on the, you know, throw the black fist right. or because they take a knee or whatever the case may be. And I'm not right. knocking anybody who does that, but what I'm saying is we have to hold these people accountable. That's yeah. one of the things that's also missing in the black community is right. we're so uh, thirsty for somebody to come in and save the day yes. that when somebody looks like they're saving the day, yeah. we don't hold them accountable. Right. So yeah, it was great that we had a black president, but where was the accountability? It's great that there's more awareness to uh, you know, social injustice, but where's the accountability that follows that? It's great that uh, we have more uh, black politicians now, but where's the accountability to follow, that follows that? It's not enough to just get somebody in office or to just get somebody to recognize an issue. It's what yes. are we doing to hold these people accountable yeah. so that we're not just singing a couple hurrahs and amens and after that it's back to the same. And I want to, you know, and I, I love the fact that you said that because we do. We feel like if we got money in, we made it. But then they can tear off our whole community, but and we don't we don't keep track of the record. You, you know, right, what I'm saying? Right. we don't get. So there's a section of us that gets politically involved, but then we just know what we usually vote, right? right? And we right. just go mm -hmm. straight ticket. Don't know who it is. Don't know yeah. who it is. Don't know what this person's platform is. Yeah. We don't know anything. And I think a person, um, the always person, when you, the example um, that you were talking about of you know holding people accountable, living, you know, walking the walk, talking the talk, and holding people accountable. I always think about Cory Booker. When he was the um, mayor of Newark, he not only, he could have lived in suburbs, he lived in the projects. They had his cell phone number, they could come to his door anytime. Yeah. You know, he, he barely slept. He was in the community working with 
people. And even when he moved out, he was like, dang, I miss living in the projects. Grassroots. Yes, you know what I'm saying? And even now that he's senator, you know, he is holding it down for what matters. And you can hold him accountable. You could go back, you can read his 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 record, you can look at his voting, you can see his stances on everything because he is extremely and very clear mm-hmm. on what he is and not and what he won't do and what he won't accept. Um, and so when I think of politicians like that, um, and just people like that in general, that level of responsibility, ownership, and accountability that they take because he be, he makes it very transparent. You know, I feel like that's the type of people potentially that we need to exemplify and model ourselves after because right. they own it. You know what I'm right, saying? Right. So. Am I my brother's keeper? Yes, I am. Instead of saying, oh, that's on you. I ain't got nothing to do with that. Yeah, Yeah. you have to give back to uh, um, restoring the village. Mm -hmm. Um, There's another point that I want to make or, you know, bring up to talk about before we uh, get ready and close this thing out. And it's, um, shoot, it just left me, man. I just... You know, I, I, I want to throw something in there right quick too, because we talk about the, the music. But have y'all noticed how the R and B has even changed? The lyrics. It's not R and B anymore. The, I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's different. You know, you know the, the lyrical content of some of these so-called new age R and B singers. Mm-hmm. The songwriting has changed. I mean, you think about Luther Vandross and Teddy Pendergrass, and and my uncle used to say when I was a kid, he used to say, "Nephew, you know." You put the right record on, you ain't got to talk much. The record exactly. goes speak. It speaks for you. But, but, but you listen to the music, what's considered R&B now, and the way they talk to the women, the way they talk about the women, it's like a lot of it is, is very disrespectful. Oh, my goodness. You know? Uh, Can we talk about that? I, did you remember what you had to say? I did. Before? Oh, you did? I okay, did. go ahead. Then we're going to go back. Does <laughs> yeah. that right... <laughs> So, them hoes ain't loyal. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And women be in the club jamming to it. What? For (laughs) R&B? Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, point I was going to No diss to Chris. You you my man, but... Yeah, and I love that song, too. (laughs) (laughs) We just just talking real talk, man. Um, One of the things that we have to give back to, or for those who've never done it, is we have to learn to think for ourselves. We have to learn to think for ourselves and not allow external factors, other people, to do the thinking for us. Right. I mean, there's so much to the point now where, you know, I go to pull on my phone, I go to, you know, put a search in, and it's already showing me things that are trending right. in the news. So that's already, you know, if I'm a person who gets easily distracted, I'm just clicking on this, this, and this. And before I know it, I'm being told what to research. I'm being told what right. to think. Right. So we have to, yeah, we're constantly being programmed, getting back to what, even with what you were talking about it, with the music. Mm-hmm. Um, we're told what to think, we're told what to wear, we're told what beautiful is, we're told what to eat, we're told what to drink, we're told how much we should sleep, sleep yeah. when you die. Yeah. We're told that, um, you know, what, what what does beauty look like? Well, you know, beauty is long hair, big butt, you know, if you're talking about a man, or talking about a woman, mm-hmm. excuse me, from, uh, from a man's perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're told what kind of car to drive. You know, Maserati, Maybach. We're told what kind of liquor to drink. Um, Cristal, Moet, Chandon, uh, Rose, Ciroc. You know, we're told what kind of shoes to wear. Oh, you got to wear, wear Jordans, uh, red bottoms. You know, we're told everything. We got. We're told what we got to do when we go to have a good time. You got to pop the Molly and the Percocet. So, <laughs> we're we're told everything that we should do in our life, but. When it really comes down to what we should be doing, building black enterprise, 
building a black economic base. Mm-hmm. You, you don't hear that. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with listening to, you know, the music or whatever. You have to learn how to decipher the BS from the real right. and just enjoy it for what it is, which is pure entertainment. I'm not saying that because I listen to it myself. Right. But what I am saying is we have to learn to get back to thinking for ourselves and not allowing ourselves to be programmed, control the images that are uh, being programmed and burned into your subconscious. You control that by things that you engage in through a regular basis. We got to get back to reading. Yeah. We got to get back to reading. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I've said this before. You know, there's always a saying: if you want to hide something from a black person, you put it in the book. We now read. And that's where the knowledge comes. I mean, you learn your history through reading and conversation. You, you learn about what's going on in the world by, by reading. You learn um, anything you want to know, I mean, by, by reading. I mean, and, and, and just piggybacking off of that, I mean, it's, it's no excuse because the day they even got like audio books. If and you, know, yes. if you don't even want to read, and just let the book at the read. Library. And the library it got it free. Yeah. And it doesn't take any extra time because I, I love reading, yeah. but, you know, my time is, you know, very limited. Mm-hmm. So everybody has this in common. We got to drive to work. We got to drive home. Yeah. For most people, that's probably about 20, 30 minutes mm-hmm. one way. So about 40 minutes to an hour each day. Average audio book, you know, six, eight hours, depending on which one to listen to. Some longer, some shorter. You can have a book knocked out in a matter of days in a week. That's yeah. right. So it's no longer, it, it's so convenient now. I mean, any book that, just about any book that you want to go through and read, you can find it. The app is called Audible. Yes. Use it all the time. All they the time. always got deals. Always. It's very inexpensive. I've listened to so many books on, on Audible. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we got to get back to reading. We got to get back to thinking for ourselves. We have to get back to restoring love, trust, yeah. and stop making excuses. And yes, respecting there are, each other. Yeah, and respecting each other. We get have back to the village. Right. And you do that because there's so... Let me go ahead and let you bring it. No. I'll, I'll go on and on. No, no, I thought you were... Because I was like, please don't wrap up. Please no, I'm not wrapping up. I'm not wrapping up. I know you got a point that you want to make this oh burn up there. It's killing me. Okay. So please, can we can we talk about our interpersonal relationships? Yes. What you got on that? So how we address each other, how we speak to each other, how we view each other. So we're talking about this music thing, right? You know, we hear it on both sides. Um, you know, all men are dogs, or these hoes ain't loyal, or, mm-hmm. you know, even worse, yeah. right? Um, and then, you know, treating women as if. Yeah, I mean, but also then here we go, because when somebody make it rain or even attempt to sprinkle, right, yeah. we on that floor like a dog. And you know to what, get it's cool, it's cool as, as long as we get into the bag. It's all justified. Mm-hmm. If right. I if I screwed 100 guys, but look, look, I got, I the, got this money. I got you this see money. what I'm saying? And, and that's the thing, how much are we selling ourselves? Because then it's like, but then it's like, okay, then we we have a guy on the street, okay, who is seeing a, you know, a woman or a young lady. The minute they're not interested, then your ego is so destroyed that you try to murder this person. Because now the trend is, if a girl doesn't want to, doesn't speak or doesn't want to talk to you, guys are just killing her. Yeah. Just killing her. Wow. I've heard heard that i haven't wow. seen a lot of stories but i've heard wow. people talk about that a friend of mine lost his niece that way 
you know, it's, it's it's more and more prevalent. So even to the point now where if I'm not interested in a guy, yeah, I always tell him, I'm sorry, you know, I'm, I'm dating someone. Yeah. And I am so single, yeah. right? But at the same time, it's like, I can't <laughs> fight a bullet. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I can't fight a bullet. You know what I'm saying? And I got things I got to do in a mission that I, you know, I'm on. And not trying to show any disrespect because I do even try to, because before I shut somebody down real quick, like, you ain't talking to me. Yeah. However... It's this thing you gotta finesse it because the ego still has to be stroked. But it's like even now, it's like a guy doesn't even know how to approach. They don't know how to date a woman. Hey, shorty, let me holler at you for a minute. It's so funny, little mama. Yeah, I'm like, listen, I'm a good and grown woman. I used to say that when I was like. 19 to 20. Yeah, Ernest, I'm sorry. You have 50-year-olds. <laughs> I hate to tell you, you got 50-year-olds who's sitting over there. You be like, really, sir? But I say okay. 19 to 20. Like, it's not. And that's too far. The, the older cats approach you like that, too? I didn't mean to cut right. you out, but the older guys approach you like that, too? Hey, little mama. And you it's know. very, it's funny because, wow. you know, and I always say this a lot, and it's not to, you know, brag on myself by any means. But it's just interesting because the way I talk to women, it's just like having a conversation. You know, right. same thing I've always mm-hmm. said for most of my life. Hey, how you doing? And then just strike up conversation. And it's like they're so enthralled by the fact that I can hold an intellectual conversation. Mm-hmm. And then they ask, well, well, I thought you were so much older. You're only 33. Yeah. Right. You're mature yeah. for your age. Yeah. And I'm like, how old does a man have to be before he becomes mature? That's your upbringing. Oh, what? Right. Age ain't nothing but a number. I'm just letting you know. Oh, this I know. Oh, my goodness. But, 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 yeah. Mm -hmm. I want to add on because it's it's wild you say that for for the older cats because you and I both know that's not their generation. They weren't brought up like that. They're just, that just shows you another sign of programming. programming. Yeah. And even to the point where if I do go out with a guy and I get in a car with him, because usually I'll be like, no, I'm eating you. You don't need to know where I live. Right, right, um, right. I respect that. Right, you know what I'm saying? Because if all you come to my house. Yeah, really? Especially on, in today's society yeah. where all you got to do is swipe left, swipe right. 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 You yeah. get what I'm saying? It's like, it's a meat market, literally. Yeah. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It's like an app. You know, yeah. it's, it's this thing. Okay, I'm ordering off of Amazon. Yeah. That's really all you it is. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's just and that's like. What they used to, that's why they don't know how to communicate. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And no, I'm not coming to your house. Yeah. Oh, we can ch- no, because if you value me as a person, we can meet out. And I'm not even saying we have to even go out on a date. When I meet a gentleman, first thing, do you drink coffee or tea? Yeah. Because we can go to a local coffee shop. Right, right. Or we can, you know, hit someplace else. Chop up that combo. Just have a conversation. Right. If I'm sitting outside and I'm waiting and I see what he pulls up, you know, and you're listening to. Yeah. First thing, I'm like, okay, if it's, if it's full-blown custom, and then this person, I'm like, for real? <laughs> So in a minute, something slick is probably about to come out of your mouth. Right, oh, right, of right. And so you know then I'm coming. like, that is so nice and sweet. You know, and I'll tell people, I'll be like, mm, I've told people before, like, you know, while this conversation was great, I'm not sure this is really going to work out. Because yeah, how do you, what's your, what's your, what, how do you view women? Yeah. And when when you get mad at me, what's the first thing that's going to fly out your mouth? Yeah. Is it going to be bitch? Yeah. Or is it going to be... Honey, you have really pissed me off today, yeah. and you know, so I, yeah, you know, in this, it's this, it's this loose lip culture, you know, just think, you just sling rockets at people, yeah. you know, and and I'm not gonna sit here and say that women are innocent because we're not, right? Okay, it's, it's a two way street. It yeah. is definitely a two way street, and I'm like, you know, even my nephews when they're dating, like, my nephew plays football in college, okay, for a very popular college team. And he had this one little girlfriend, and I pulled him to the side, and I said, I know you're having sex, but please tell me it's protected. Yeah. Because I can tell you right now, if you get that one pregnant, yeah. 
her and all her people, you're going to be taken care of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm just like, watch it. Just watch it. Yeah. But then also, don't you be out here slanging nothing either. You know what right. I'm saying? Right. Because your penis is not your purpose. That's right. That's you got right. a bigger purpose. Right. Be responsible and accountable for it and what you do. Right. You know? Right. So I have, you know, I, I'm, I'm big on how men and how I see guys talking. Because even if I'm, I meet a guy, he's with a friend. If I find him, if I notice him, I find him attractive. I'm, I'm work, walking. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at, and I'm watching how he's interacting with people. Right. Are you isolated by yourself? Because that says something sometimes. Right. You're not trusting. See, that's that that therapist in you. Well, mm-hmm. that's Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> that's Detroit. You know what I'm saying? So that was before that's the therapist. Detroit. You know what I'm saying? That's a little Detroit right there. You know what I'm saying? But then also, you know, are you pleasing everybody? Are you sociable? Okay, mm-hmm. so then you could be just an overall nice guy. You know. Right. And then also, if I know somebody, I'm like, what you know about that person? They're like, Oh, he is nothing but, you know, yeah. and respectable and different things like that. Okay. But then a lot of times I don't have that gift of that perspective. So it's just that weeding out piece. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, and so. that's um, in terms of how we communicate with our interpersonal relationships. Um, it's, it's representative of how, and I'm just talking in terms of, well, actually men and women, but more so for the men it, it's representative of how, of how we're being raised, mm-hmm. you know, who, who taught you that that was yeah. an acceptable way to address women, or who, who taught you, you know, that was a formidable conversation, right. Um, right. you know, and then the fact that we can't accept honesty, you know, it, even if it's something that we don't want to hear, we can't accept the truth for what it is and just keep moving. Right. So we're right. so sensitive. Mm. We're and not used to taking and hearing no for an answer because if I'm on these little dating apps or whatever, I ain't got to deal with that. You know, I just swipe left, swipe right, but now I got to hear you tell me no. I got to hold the conversation with you to yeah. get what I want. The ego. Yeah, yeah the ego. Oh you said the yes. ego, but it, again, that's explored it. It is. It's explored everybody. Again, I keep pointing back to programming, but it's all programming. It is. Mm-hmm. You it know, so we explored is. the ego. Look at the sisters fighting on, on I mean, you sisters on, on these reality shows, these sisters are supposed to have businesses of their own that are thriving like and they, they sell, and they don't but they can't fight no now we already know that you but i'm just saying that the picture that's painted it's the facade that's because we we love the drama right that right. drama is what sells right mm-hmm. and if you're gonna give me you know whatever amount of money it is it don't even have to be a lot right it's right. more than what i'm making right now right oh you're gonna give me x amount of dollars to just do this right and you put on this drama right Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll buck dance for you. I'll, I'll buck dance for you. That's yeah. all it is. Mm-hmm. Same, same thing, it's different day. Exactly. It's that old minstrel show. Exactly. Same thing, different day. Yeah. Exactly. And it's unfortunate. But, but, but we fighting for what? I mean, you offended me. How did you offend me? What did you say that was offensive to me? Again, it's the ego. Mm-hmm. That's that's the point that I want right. to drive. You it's the right. ego. You, if you in your fifties. At some point, you should be able to recognize, you know what, I'm bigger than this. Exactly. You know what she said, you know what, baby girl, you can have that. That ain't even worth it. I'm not finna jump across this table and try to strangle you behind something you said. Because we... That's what teenagers do. Exactly. Because they don't know how to control... We don't know how to control our emotions. (laughs) We don't know how to control our emotions. We're a very emotional and reactive culture. Right. So well, we, we don't, don't we don't take our emotional space in because again goes back to that remember that documentary we always go to anger anyway exactly I'm not gonna let you know you hurt me yeah right you know yeah. what I'm saying so I yeah. fight you yeah. even though I'm saying you ripped my heart out right right right, right. or right. I'll fight you because 
you just told the truth, and I don't want nobody else to. I, I don't right. want nobody else to see that vulnerability. Right. Right. So I'm attacking people. People attack the truth and love the lies. Mm-hmm. So as long as you boosting my ego and telling me just what I want to hear, mm-hmm. oh, I'll it's, ride it's, with it's, you all day. All good. But as soon as you say something that strikes a nerve because it is true, mm-hmm. I hate you. Yeah. I hate you because of that. And you know that's one of the things that we have to get back to in our culture. I mean, getting back to. Uh, what's holding us back we have to be able to uh, one be in better control of our emotions know how to use our intellect more than we know well not more but just as well as we know how to use our physical right, let's right. learn how to use that intellect if somebody slices you with some words come back at them with some sharper words yeah you know if you feel like somebody uh addressed you in an inappropriate manner just let them know that they might not even realize that they did it because that's how they're used to addressing people right yeah you know i didn't like how you said this because yada 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 oh that really offended you i didn't know that and then if you can really just have that conversation and kind of bridge that gap you're doing more help in that situation than yeah. just jumping off the deep end with somebody what yeah. i think i think that come with bringing that love back into yes. Exactly. Yes. You know, when, I, when i love yes. you you know if i can if i can love my community the same way i love my immediate family mm-hmm. that's going to change the community Right. If we can start have if we can start having that same love that I have for my the healthy love the healthy love yeah the healthy, you know, the healthy that love that you have right. for your child or yep. your spouse if you can take that out to your neighbor Absolutely. I love my neighbor the same way mm-hmm. you know then I think you'll start to see a, a, a change but you know I just speak on that ego thing because when you're doing spiritual discipline that's one of the things that really that really uh, emphasizes you know being able to detach from that yep. you know because it's a false sense of who you really are you know. Right. Because somebody gave me a different acronym for ego is edging God out. Wow. And, you know, it's so real. I mean, just like you said, programming the ego, ego and programming, really, and that that one, too. It's, you know, if if people can really understand and do a really self-study about where the ego says, we would check a whole lot of stuff that we're doing, a whole lot of things that we're doing. That are detrimental to ourselves and others. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it I, I tell the youth uh, a lot of times. There's a lot of guys sitting in prison right now because they acted on they acted on their ego. A lot of them sitting in that casket because of their ego. Their ego, and I ain't had to bust that dude here. Now I got I'm sitting, I got 20 years in this cage because I just I felt like I had to prove something. Mm-hmm. He did something that I felt was disrespectful. Right. Mm-hmm. So I had to go to limp to prove it. You right. know. And that's one of the reasons. I mean, we're talking about. You know, the ego, restoring love, um, you know, restoring the, the trust, the, the, the interpersonal relations, mm-hmm. restoring the village. And I always say this, and uh, I say this in a lot of podcasts, that's one of the reasons that I jumped off with uh, hidden truths, because it's those, uh, those hidden truths, those things that we aren't talking about, those skeletons that we're sweeping under the rug, yeah. that vulnerability that we don't want anybody to see, that's really holding us back, because... <clears throat> We don't take the time to have those conversations to really understand where different people are, you know, coming from and their backgrounds. Mm-hmm. That creates the atmosphere for distrust and, and animosity. And you know, when you when you don't understand something, that creates fear. Fear creates anger. Mm-hmm. When you're angry at somebody, when you hate something, you're not you're not going to build with that person. Yeah. But if you can start having these open conversations, these open dialogues, mm-hmm. and restoring 
those things that were missed and restoring the the trust, restoring the understanding. Yes. Oh, this this is what that that means. No. Okay, I didn't. Okay, I never thought about it like mm-hmm. that. Well, let's see how we can work together on that. That's we right. don't have to agree on everything, That's right. you know, but we can disagree respectfully. Right. I can right. learn from you. You can learn from me. Mm-hmm. We might not still agree on it at the end of the day, but that's fine. Mm-hmm. That's but right. But when you restore those things, well, now, now we're restoring the love. Now we're restoring the village. Yeah. Now we're restoring the the basis for what's going to allow us to work together and build back that's our right. black communities. Our that's humanity. right. That's the that's basis right. for hidden truths. That's right. So with that, I want to see if anybody has any, you know, closing thoughts and if you got any ways of being contacted that you would like to share. Um, yeah, I, yeah. My, I guess my closing statement would be, you know, let's stop putting on a facade mm-hmm. and this mask that we feel like we need to wear, especially with other people. But can we just be genuine with ourselves and just really be okay with each other? Whether we agree or disagree, can we just be? Can we just be? Right. And learn from each other. Right. Be okay with other people being themselves. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Or help them along the way when they don't know. Right. Right. So. And admit when you don't know. Oh, thank God. <laughs> yes. So. Well, you know, when you start talking about love and the attributes that come with love, you got to think about tolerance. Patience. Patience. You know, when somebody say unconditional. Mm -hmm. See, we we, we throw the word love out there, but we don't think about the attributes that come with when you say you love somebody. Mm -hmm. If if I love this brother and you do something that I feel like you upset, I'm upset about it, you know, the love in me is going to address it in a different way than I would if if I was dealing with my ego. Yeah, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it because I love you as my brother. You understand Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So... On that note, uh, Bomani McLaughlin again, uh, CEO of the Supreme Kings. If anybody has any kids from 6 to 18 that need some strong mentoring, me and my brother Ernest, we run the program at Arbor Glen Rec Center, uh, Thursday for the tutoring, 5.30 to 6.30. And on Fridays, we have the Kings Court, 5 to 6. And my contact number is 704-713-1947. Anita Samuels. Um, I'm the licensed marriage and family therapist here in Charlotte, and you can uh, reach me at darnitasamuels.com, or my office number is 919-807-1692. All right, all right. And uh, just to piggyback on uh, the Supreme Kings program, I want to just briefly talk about, you know, 36 seconds or less, I'm going to tell y'all what we actually covered during these uh, forums on Friday. Um, We have an entire curriculum set up for the things that will help our primarily our young black boys become better men you know learn the things they're supposed to learn so we have a i do a seminar a session on health and nutrition health and wellness teaching them how to eat how to take care of their bodies um i have one of my partners he does a stem curriculum with them so he gives them hands-on activities to do dedicated to learning what engineering is doing some uh, you know different uh type of experiments with them like that we are in search of a yoga instructor so if anybody's listening to this or when everybody listens to this if you are a yoga instructor certified yoga instructor or if you know of a yoga instructor drop us a message on the gram please because we are in need of that um, and then we also teach the boys how to play chess. Matter of fact, we did that yesterday, and it's amazing just seeing um, their interest levels increase the more that we uh, get them involved with it because they're learning now how to think 
two, three, five steps ahead, how to see the entire board versus just looking at this one individual piece. So it's definitely a well-rounded uh, curriculum that we have. So by all means, bring young boys out. Come check us out at Friday at Arbor Glen Rec Center. Uh, with that, I'm your host, Ernest, a.k.a. Mr. No Excuses. This is the Hidden Truth Podcast, providing therapy through conversation. If you would like to be a guest on the show or if you have any potential topics that you would like us to address, drop us a message on social media, Hidden Truths Podcast on Instagram and Facebook, or you can send us an email, Podcast at gmail.com. As always, kings and queens, stay up, we out.